Okay. Colossians, am I on? Is my switch on? Colossians chapter 3. We're finishing up chapter 3, getting into chapter 4. We're going to talk about the responsibility of Christian servants and masters toward each other. Colossians, and if you would stand with me, Colossians 3, we will read chapter 3, verse 22, and then we will end in chapter 4 and verse 1. So Colossians 3, 22, all the way down to chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> Let's read it aloud together, starting in verse 22. Begin. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Mm. Let's pray. Father, against the devil and against anything that could distract us this evening, please bless your word to our hearing and to our obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Please be seated. <clears throat> Chapter 3. All right. Slavery uh, was a blight, and it is a blight still on human history. Um, there is nothing to be proud about how people treat people, especially people they see as somebody different. But that the fact that slavery has existed is not something that should stop us from desiring to serve and be servants. When it comes to history of slavery, and especially in relation to the Bible, I want to say that slavery is as old as war and debt. When people borrowed money, they were slave to the lender until the payment was made. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich man ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you borrow money from the bank or you borrow money from somebody, they own you until you finish paying it off. The Puritans that went to America in the 1600s, they didn't go because they were wealthy. They actually indentured themselves. That doesn't mean they had to have false teeth. It means that they put themselves in debt for the price of them going on this ship, landing over in... Uh, Jamestown, Virginia, and all these other little places. And when they landed there, they were given a bit of money to uh, build houses and to plant farms. And for at least seven years, they owned nothing. And they sent everything back to the person that lent them the money. But they wanted to start a new life. So they they worked their tail off. And many of them died trying to step out and do this this thing um, to, to go, to move to the new world, as to speak. Now, uh, prisoners of war have always been, up until recently, considered to be treated as slaves. And uh, even of modern time, I don't know if you realize, but it is, slavery is still going on. People still buy and sell people, physically. Uh, and um, I don't know what the problem is other than Dan's here. Dan has just, well, broke everything he's come and touched. So it must be Dan's fault. So, uh, <laughs> Shazam, what is the problem here? Come on. 
It's just funny. Anyway, no, try this one more time here. Hopefully it'll work. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't care. And say hello. Nope. All right, if it comes back, it comes back. Um, Israel was allowed to forcibly take the the people of a of a of an invading army and make them into slaves. And uh, but God said, "All right, they are are they are um, uh, uh, you, if the people that you didn't kill and and uh, that that attacked your nation or that you had to dispose out one time out of your country." You were allowed to make them into slaves, but God said two requirements. One of them, you got to treat them like people, not like cattle. Number two, He said you are never allowed to, you're never allowed to buy or sell a human being. Uh, most people can't handle the fact that that God actually dealt with slavery as if He was promoting it. He never promoted it one time. He managed it because, especially in war, I just give up on this thing. Uh, especially when it comes to war, um, uh, the the when when um, uh, throughout history, the the overall precept was you kill every person as your enemy, and when you didn't, how did you treat them? Did you treat them as an equal? That was not ever what what was done. So God said, "All right, here comes the way that people treat one another. You deal with slavery as humans, not as cattle." Now, Jesus changed everything. I need you to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8. <clears throat> Jesus changed everything. John 8, verse 32. Read down to verse 36. It says this. <clears throat> John eight thirty-two, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? All right, there's that word. And they answered him, we be Abraham's seed. As if to say, we're Jews, we're not um, slaves, we're not under anybody's dominion. And we're never in bondage to any man, which was a lie. Was Israel ever in bondage to other occupying powers? They sure were, but these guys were very flippant. Uh, How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin... That's the problem, is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever. What's he saying? Here is that, you know, you guys, you are the servants of sin, but servants don't stay in the house forever. Servants get fired. But he says there, verse uh, 36, I'm sorry, verse 35, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth. How many of you are sons or daughters of God? Amen. So... You want to be a servant of sin? You may be in a in a church. You may be, you know, around other people. But one of these days, you're going to be fired. And I mean fired in hell. But uh, the Son, the children abide forever. And if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus changed the whole aspect of how people are slaves. You see, people today are slaves to their appetites for sin. Second um, Peter talks about eyes that cannot stop committing adultery. I wonder what that's talking about. Um, people are slaves to their past. And the majority of the world is slaved to their father, the devil, and the lusts of their father they will do. They're slaves. 
Now, your King James Bible says the word servant. 1,047 times the word servant is in your King James Bible. 165 of them are in the New Testament alone. It only uses the word slave twice. See, I deal with people who will say, well, it's because uh, a servant meant a slave. Really? I'll tell you what the difference between a servant and a slave in a moment, and the King James translators chose the right word. Um, And uh, uh, go to Revelation chapter 18. I'll show you one time where slave is used. Only two times is the word slave used. One of them is in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 11. Out in the future, during the tribulation, toward the end of the tribulation, the um, uh, Babylon, literal financial Babylon, is going to be rebuilt. And then it will be destroyed. And it says this in verse 11, The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over this city being destroyed. Her, For no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise, look what they were selling and what they're going to be selling in the future. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, still selling that. Pearls and fine linen, purple and silk, scarlet and all fine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and of brass and iron and marble. We'll be buying and selling of cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves, and they'll be buying and selling the souls of men. You ever heard anybody say, well, I think he sold his soul. Yeah. The King James Bible uses the word slave only twice for a purpose. Most modern translators translations prefer the word slave to servant. I find that very revealing. The NIV, Colossians 3.22, go back there to Colossians 3. Colossians 3.22. Now, your Bible says this, servants obey in all things. But guess what the NIV says? Slaves obey your earthly masters in in everything. Now, here's the question. Does that apply to you and me? Doesn't sound like I'm not a slave. No. So that all of a sudden, you'll know that the newer Bibles got rid of the application to the Christian. So he says this in, in the new, in the new international perversion. It says, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you and, and to curry their favor. What's curry doing in there? I mean, I know what chicken curry is, but to curry their favor. NIV is a more up-to-date Bible, my foot. Curry their favor. But with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord, the ESV, which is the new one, the, all the Calvinists and all the modern churches are going with the English Standard Version. Listen to this one. Go to Galatians 5. Go back a few pages to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of, what's that word? Bondage, all right? I understand bondage, but let me show you this. This is what the ESV says there. For freedom of Christ hath set us free. Stand first, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. 
Oh, I don't have any, I don't have that to worry about at all, do you? Do you have to worry about being trapped in human slave? See, the new Bibles use a word that they don't want you to be able to apply. I'll show you one more. First Timothy six. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six, verse one. I'll read in your in your real Bible first. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. That's a hard statement, isn't it? If you're having to serve somebody, give them all honor. That the name of God and his doctrine be not what? It's that serious. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things, talking to Timothy, you better teach and exhort Christians. Listen to the Message Bible, which is one of the worst things ever put on paper. Whoever is a slave must make the best of it. <laughs> Boy, that really helps me. Giving respect to the, to his master so that outsiders don't blame God in our teaching for his behavior. Slaves with Christian masters, all the more so, their masters are really their beloved brothers. You lose every principle that you get in your King James Bible that is servant, serving others, servant, servant, servant. So, let's learn about how to treat those who are over us, who tell us what to do for eight hours, ten hours a day. Go back to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> and he starts off with the word, not slave, but he starts off with what word in verse 22? Servants. Thank you. Now I want to say that there are Christians who are free of having to serve other people. Wouldn't that be a great life? Wouldn't it be great to have no debt? Amen? Wouldn't it be great to not owe a banker, to not, to, listen, Paul says the goal of the Christian is to owe no man anything except to love one another. Isn't that what it says? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a free man or woman? Now, how many own a house? Oh, come on, some of you own a house. But how many actually are free of the mortgage of the house? <laughs> Amen. I'm, I, I don't own the house. The bank still does. I'm, I'm slowly paying it off. Now, there are Christians who are free, men and women, who are free from the control of, that others have over their lives. They can get up when they want. Sometimes they call it retirement. They, 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 they can do whatever they want, and they can buy whatever they want. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then there's the rest of us <clears throat> who are owned or compelled by someone else. Their life is controlled by a boss or an employer who tells them what to wear, tells them when to work, what to do, everything your mom used to do. Amen? The focus of Paul was on the servant's attitude about their work and their boss. This is not about volunteers, but about Christians who work to be paid. In rule number one, Christians are servants, never slaves. Even if, listen, if you ever did find yourself, or if any Christian ever found themselves in slavery, you are not a slave. When you got born again, Physically, you may even be in chains. Physically, you may be in jail. Physically, you may have your life controlled and dominated by one person, but you are free. 
That's what it means to be a Christian is I am free indeed. And I, I may live in this world physically, but my heart and my life is in the kingdom of God and I am free. So no Christian ever can refer to themselves as a slave. Amen. As I've already said, the word and the concept of slave is not in the Bible. The word servant is. The meaning of a slave is a person who is completely subject to the will of another. Someone who has no will of his own about what they should do with their life, but whose person and services are wholly under the control by another person. The meaning of a servant. Far better. A person that obeys another for the purpose of performing a menial task by their own will. The word servant always is connected. And this is great. You ready for this? A servant always has a master. Okay? You cannot have a servant without a master over their life. And what we get is we've been given a new master. That we, on the day we got saved, we chose, I want to serve him. Amen? We didn't just cry out to Jesus. You should have cried out to the Lord Jesus. Amen? The servant's subjection to a master is voluntary. The slave's is not. Now, there are many kinds of servants. You could have maybe a maid, maybe a domestic servant. You could hire a laborer for a day. You might have a job to do, and they are serving you by mowing the grass or cutting a hedge or painting a wall. Different kinds of servants. A long time ago, they used to have what was called an apprentice, where you actually, <laughs> you were you left home and you went and you lived under a master carpenter, a master cobbler. What's a cobbler? doesn't make cobbler. What's a cobbler? Shoemaker. And you, 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 you worked with a blacksmith, but that blacksmith, the master, told you what to do, and you did it, and you were their servant. But you wanted to learn from them. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll show you where we come in. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Flee, go back to verse 18. Flee what? Wow. Run from it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, outside of the body. But he that committeth fornication, you're sinning against your own body. You're ruining and killing your body. Verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own anymore. For ye are bought with a price. Now, if I am a slave, I have to do what my master tells me. Yes or no? But that doesn't tell you that you will always obey your master. It says you now choose to obey. That's why he says, therefore, you choose, please choose to glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Do you see that? We, if you ever saw a slave and knew the understand the concept of a slave, a slave has no opportunity to exercise their own will. Yes or no? Come on, stay with me. They do not. They are beaten until they obey. But in Christianity, and people can't comprehend this, in Christianity, I can get into fornication, can't I? 
I can follow my own lust. Amen. But I choose because I've been freed. I've been, I used to stand at the lowest bidder and I was, I was offered at every whim of temptation and I gave myself to anything that came my way because I was a servant of the devil. But when I got saved is because somebody purchased me and then said, now follow me. And the, the challenge for the Christians realize I have been made free and as free I can choose to serve. I am no longer a slave. I don't belong to anybody except him, but I still must choose him on a day-by-day basis to live free. <clears throat> there is a high calling of being a servant. The Bible likes the word servant. I hope you do too. In the New Testament, you'll find the words fellow servant. Isn't that a good term? Fellow servant. Several times you'll find Peter and John <clears throat> and Paul, you know what they're saying? They're calling themselves a servant of Jesus Christ. Not a slave. Can you imagine? The new Bibles have Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to lose my will. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to serve. He freed me. He changed my life. I, I love him now. <clears throat> you know, it used to be an honor to serve in government, didn't it? I don't know if it's today. Guess what they call people today that work in, in, in Dublin for the government? They call them civil servants. What a nice term. It's a pretty cool thing to serve in the military. And especially to serve in the ministry of the gospel. Servant. <clears throat> so, what do you do with Christians? <clears throat> who find themselves, what do Christians do when they find themselves serving others? Number one, accept your position. Don't live depressed. Follow this thought for a second, please, and blaze it in your heart. Don't live depressed because you serve someone else. I'll never work for somebody again. You're stupid. It is a high calling to serve, not run people's lives. Amen. Don't buy this poor reasoning that you should only follow your dreams. Did you know if you only follow your dreams and you're living on government handouts, you're a jerk. You're a bum. You're wrong. I'm talking about if you're only following your dreams and you won't work because you believe, I believe that I should be a dancer. <laughs> so you're busking out on Patrick Street. You know what the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even if we, even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, what does it say? Neither should he eat. You know, if you have to, if you have to work and you have to work for somebody else, don't complain. Because it is good to work. Amen. As a matter of fact, every Christian ought to love to work. I, I, I don't find many people who love working. But if you love to work, I believe the Lord will give you something to do that you love. Let me show you. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. <clears throat> Again, it's not the job you do. It's the fact that you're doing a job. It's not the fact that... that, that 
you have to work. It's the fact that you get to work. Watch this. Proverbs 10.4, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. What's a slack hand? Lazy hand. Uh, you know, I don't really care to do this. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Okay, it says you're going to be poor if you deal with things with a slack, a lazy hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You know, we wanted to read the hand of the, of the, um, uh, of the, um, internet, you know, uh, marketer, the hand of the fast money. No, no, no. Just a hard worker. That's how you get rich. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. <clears throat> the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Not the nobility, not the people who have the silver spoon in their mouth, but the hard workers are going to end up being in charge, but the slothful shall always be under tribute. They'll always be constantly being taxed and, and run their life by somebody else. So accept your position. As if you are, if you work for somebody else, praise God. If you don't have to work, if you're retired, if you don't have to work, praise God. But if you do have to work, the Christian says you're a servant. Accept your position. Secondly, obey your master. Obey your employer. Colossians, back to Colossians. Chapter three. Say, Pastor, why do we have to do, why do we have to talk about this? Because Paul did. And Paul was writing to a church, by the way. He wanted to make sure not only that husband and wives dealt with each other right, not only that children and parents dealt with their right, but also servants and masters, workers and employers did right. <clears throat> and he says this word there in 322, servants, what's the next word? Say it real loud. That was terrible. Say it real loud. Obey in how many things? Now, is there a, is there a limit? Yes. So when your when your employer asks you to work extra hours, or and if it doesn't go against scripture, you can't just say no. I clock out at four fifty nine. <laughs> no. Obey your master in all things, and we've lost that. <clears throat> Christianity is not DIY. You know, most people do when they're working for somebody else. They're constantly murmuring. Constantly arguing with the instructions. Constantly they'd rather be doing something else. That's not Christian. That may be normal. Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6.16. Can you imagine if this said slaves here? Can you imagine if it said what the new Bibles say? Romans 6.16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, you are yielding. It doesn't say slavery. It says you are choosing to serve others. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Two times he says, or say three times, obey, obey, obedience. So who are your masters? The Lord Jesus is your master. Why would we do anything that goes against our nature? Because Jesus said do it. Not because that's what I want to do. 
Not because I feel like it. Jesus is my master. But who else are our masters? How about your parents until you move out of the house? If you're 40 years old and you're living at home, guess who gets to tell you what to do? Mom and dad. Amen. How about your employers while you work for them? When I go into Dunn's, guess what? At Dunn's, they tell you what to wear, don't they? They tell you what time to come into work. They tell you when you can take a break and when you can't take a break. Oh, it's so harsh. No. They're your master. You know, at school, they used to be called headmasters. They were, they were in charge of you. In sports, it was your coach. Ladies, your husband is the master of your home. He's the head of the home. Amen? The pastor is the leader, the master of a church. Gathers men around him, gets advice, but in the end of the day, he's got to make some choices. In our government, we're living under, at the moment, they run our lives. If they want to increase our taxes, we can argue, complain, and but we got to pay. Amen? You know what's fun in the military? Anybody that has any rank above you, you know what you got to do? Whatever they ask you to do. <laughs> it's that way. They're your master. <clears throat> now go back to your, uh, go back to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. In verse five. Ephesians six. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of things that are in Ephesians are in Colossians. So sometimes you can find a little fuller description of some things. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Wow. With fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. That's who our ultimate master is. Doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill. Doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond, there's a slave, or free. I'll just stop there. Now, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you should desire to do the will of God as a servant. You should desire, look at verse 5, at the end, uh, no, verse verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. If the Lord has your heart, you ought to want to serve from the heart. And here's a, uh, he says, whether your boss is watching you or not, you know what integrity is? Integrity is doing right whether anybody notices. Serve with singleness of heart. Singleness of heart simply means that your heart has one single purpose. So, when I'm serving somebody, I have one purpose. I don't want to make them happy. That's not my primary focus, is it? Who do I serve? The Lord Jesus Christ. And I serve them as if I am serving who? That's the thing. My whole goal, whether it's you or you or you, and that's a problem having to do with you, but in, in any situation, I'm not serving them. Who am I serving? With singleness of heart means I have one goal, and that is to serve Christ through whoever I serve. With singleness of heart, fearing God. Fearing God. 
If you're in a, if you're in a work relationship where you fear your boss, quit. <laughs> Amen. But you know, as hard as it is to have a, a boss who's harsh on you and, and, and puts fear in you, you better realize you work for a bigger boss that ought to scare you more. Because I may fail my boss and get fired, but if I fail my heavenly master, I may have to face him and answer why I had a bad attitude for, for all my life while I was trying to serve others. He says, next on, he says, do everything as if you're doing it to the Lord Jesus. It'd be great. It'd be great, Rodell, if when I came along and I just blessed you. I don't know what I could do to bless you, but uh, if I could just do something for you, and it'd be really great if he realized, wow, pastor is treating me like I'm Jesus. It'd be great if he'd think that, but he probably wouldn't, would he? Because people are kind of dense. But we treat other people, whether they recognize it or not, as unto the Lord Jesus. Give me an example in the Bible where somebody served others as if they were royalty. Thank you. He served everybody as if they were more important than him. Whether it was prisoners or Pharaoh himself, whether it was Potiphar, an owner, he treated them better than anybody ever treated Joseph. And you know what that illustration shows? That's how I have to treat people. Especially on the job. Go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Another thing, as a worker, as an employee on a job, I'm going to make you mad. Luke chapter 3 and verse 12. Luke chapter 3 and verse 12. This is John the Baptist as he is preaching. Then came also the publicans to be baptized. These were the public officials. And they, and, and they said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, exact no more taxes. He's talking about taking taxes. Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Which means they were out of their cut on the top. Verse 14. Then come the soldiers likewise, and they demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man neither accuse any falsely, and we won't like the rest of it, be content with your wages. That's tough. That's tough. If you are ever given the privilege of working for somebody else, be glad that they gave you a job. Most of the time, most people, you know, here's somebody who's got a small business. Say they open a shop in Ballincollig, and they hire three employees. And that person who's opened that shop usually doesn't take a paycheck for years, and yet they're paying their employees. I don't know if you know about starting businesses, but starting businesses is very risky. It's very expensive on the person who is starting the business. They may, in the end, end up very wealthy, but for the first several years, they get nothing. And yet, the employees will usually what? What will they usually do? Complain. I deserve better wages. No, you don't. Not if you're Christian. Because what the Christian does is we do not strike. We do not confront. We serve. And you know how to get a boss to think highly of you? Is to treat them like Jesus Christ. Treat your employer like they're Jesus Christ. And your boss will never get rid of you. 
your employer will give you raises when he's not giving anybody else. It just happens. Be content with your wages. That's not what anybody else will tell you, but that's what this church is going to tell you because that's what the Bible says. Amen? Lastly, remember God's promises. Go back to Colossians 3 and verse 24. You see, while you're serving, your master, your employer, will usually take advantage of you. Usually will not pay you well. Usually will make things hard on you because of, for whatever reason. You know what the Bible says, verse 24? It says, you ought to know that the Lord, that of the Lord, even though you may not get what you do by your earthly master, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. All right, if I had the chance to make 15 euros an hour or receive an inheritance, which one should I live for? The inheritance. Okay? Everybody's living to get 15 euros an hour when the Christian lives for an inheritance. Of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Remember God's promise. Even if your employer is not paying you what you're worth, you're still serving Jesus. And did you know, Romans chapter 8, go back to the left, Romans 8, verse 17. Romans 8, 17. If you're children of God, then heirs, you're heirs of who? That's a lot of heir. (laughs) And joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we... Why did he put that in there? Because that's the test. Everybody wants the rewards. Everybody wants the pay. Everybody wants the great end payoff. Jesus says, you know what? If in this life, if you put up with troublesome heartaches, you have to suffer, you just press on and things are hard. If you suffer with them, may also one day be glorified. Verse 18, for I reckon, you know Paul was a Texan, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Remember that promise. God's going to repay you for doing the right thing. Back to Colossians though. Colossians. He also rewards you for not doing the right thing. Verse 25. He that doeth wrong, Colossians 3.25, he that doeth wrong towards his master shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons with God. No exceptions. You know, God shows no favoritism. He says, you may be a great employee, but if you keep tearing down the... uh, uh, you know, the boss behind his back, if you keep not putting, if you keep lying and saying you came in at 9 when you came in at 9.30 and you go out at half 4 when you should have stayed till 5, if you keep doing that, you may not answer to your employer, but you will answer to God. Amen. And you're not going to go, oh, well, you know, Craig, you're a good worker. No, Craig, you did wrong there. So who are we going to answer to for the way we treat our, our employer? The Lord. And here's the last in verse 1, he says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So now he talks to Christian masters. 
I, I encourage you, you ought to be a business person. You ought to start your own business. Amen. Hire people. We need Christian employers. Amen. I, I rarely got to work with anybody that was ever a Christian, but if there ever was a Christian in the same area as I was when I was working, it was like, oh, peanut butter and jam. You just loved it. It was awesome. It's just so rare. Why don't you start your own business? Have a Christian business. Believe me, you will face hell. Talk about the Ashers up in Northern Ireland. But we need some Christian business people, amen? Who hire people and show how to run a business right. But here, Paul writes to those masters, believing bosses. And he says three things. Number one, pay your servants a fair and a just wage. You don't pay them equal just because I got six people, I pay all six people the same. That's socialism. You know what you pay them? You pay them what they do for their work. You pay equal to the work rendered. Pay them a right amount. Never take advantage of them, but pay them equal to their effort. And if somebody's not working, what should you do? Keep them on the payroll? Fire them. Amen. You know what would be really good is if a bunch of people got fired because they weren't working. You know what would make them do? Work harder the next job. Amen. It's a school of hard knocks that nobody wants to live in anymore. But a Christian, if you ever have people working for you, somebody who works more, I don't care. I don't care if they're uh, smart or if they're uh, good looking. If they work the hardest, you know what will burn in your heart? I ought to pay them more. Amen. And that's the right thing to do. But show no favoritism. Don't say, well, this is, you know, this is my nephew, so I have to pay him more. No, you don't. That's nepotism. And nobody respects that. Well, I'll pay this person more because he's Irish. That's racism. Well, you know, uh, you know, I got, I got, I hired some friends and, 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 uh, I got three friends working for me and I got these other employees and so I got to pay them more. That's the good old boy network. That's what people hate about businesses. Don't you dare do that. If you ever have a business, you hire people, you agree with them what to pay, and based on their work, you pay them. If they don't work, fire them. If they do work more, you give them a raise. That's why the government doesn't need to be telling people what to do. Christians ought to be setting the pace of what is expected. And a Christian employer should be rewarding work done. Fortunately, we don't have many Christians, so the government has stepped in because there are a bunch of most businessmen don't know how to run a business anymore. But he says there at the end, he says, knowing that ye, master, you owner, business owner, have a master in heaven. That's scary because God, <clears throat> you will answer to God how you have treated those that made you wealthy, who gave you the ability to have your business, those people who work for you, you will answer for. So in summary... Let me ask you, how well do you serve other people? Are you always finding fault? Do you always, when the boss is not around, when the pastor's not around, do you always doing your own thing? Do you think you know all the better to do? How well do you serve others? I have another thought, and I have to go to my page here because my, my page didn't print. Here's a question for you. Do people you work with and you work for, 
Do they even sense that they're being treated like the Lord Jesus? Wouldn't that be something? What are God's promises to the Christian service servant? The promise is that you are rewarded based on how much you put up with suffering under a master who you don't like. God will repay you for doing the right thing and the Lord will reward us for not doing the right thing. And as an employer, especially as a Christian, you have the responsibility to pay your servants a right wage without favoritism, knowing that God will bless or chasten you for how you treat them. Now, that's real practical stuff. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a bunch of Christian businesses because that influences the world better than all the regulations and all the politics of the world. Father, bless these thoughts. Someday, I pray it's true that out of this church, not only do we have missionaries and preachers and pastors and pastors' wives, that we'd have Christian businessmen. But before anybody ever becomes a pastor, Father, before anybody becomes a missionary, before anybody ever has a Christian business and a successful one, Father, we've just learned that it starts with how we treat others as servants. And I pray we take it seriously that we have a responsibility to serve, whether for pay or for no pay, whether people appreciate it or they don't. I just ask that everybody we deal with will sense that we've been blessed in the presence of somebody else because they served us, and we're unworthy of it. Help us to serve one another. Help us to serve as if it's the highest calling in the land. In Jesus' name, amen.